It is great to be back in Black Rock and to see the, the way the ministry is continuing here. Our text this morning is taken from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He himself, that's Christ, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And then from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross is a very common symbol. You see it everywhere. You see it on church steeples. You see it here in the front of our church. You see it uh, in jewelry. Uh, I'm seeing more and more crosses done in tattoo these days. And it, I see baseball players cross themselves before they bat, hoping, I think, to get a home run in return. Um, yeah, the cross is very familiar. But I really wonder how many people really understand what the cross really means. And that's what I'd like to have you think with me this morning. What does the cross really mean? First of all, it means my guilt. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins. Unless you understand that, you have not even begun to understand our Christian faith. Of all the people who were present in Jerusalem the day that Jesus was crucified, I think that probably only one really understood what was happening. His name was Barabbas. Because you will remember that Pontius Pilate went before the angry mob and he said, it is our custom each year at this time to release one prisoner. Do you want me to release Barabbas, who was guilty of murder, insurrection? He was notorious in his crime. Do you want me to release Barabbas or to release Jesus? And the crowd cried out, Release Barabbas! Release Barabbas! So that on that day, if Barabbas saw Christ on the cross, he could say, and probably did, I deserved to die on that cross. He took my place. The beginning point 
of really embracing our Christian faith and embracing our Lord is to acknowledge our own sin and our own guilt. But I find that many, many people today say, well, don't, don't talk about that to me. I'm not that bad. I'm not like Barabbas. I, I live a pretty good life. And they don't see their need of Christ. But Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, just went right to the heart of the issue. And if you read that Sermon on the Mount, it's found in Matthew 5, you will find that Jesus is saying there that lovelessness and murder have the same root. That hatred and homicide are in the same family. That covetousness and robbery are almost the same. And that lust and adultery are really the same thing. But we don't like that. And we try to push that thought away. But our virtues keep us from really seeing our situation. The disciples who were present that day fled because of faithfulness. Mary, the mother of Christ, was shocked into inaction because of love. The theologians call for his death because of their knowledge. And the soldiers nailed him to that cross because they were conscientious and obedience. But they all reject the cross. For them, the cross is nothing but folly, failure, the insanity that it must be for every respectable person. But only a guilty sinner can really understand the cross. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And who can know it? When I was a boy of 10, I went to a church service with my dad and the preacher pointed out our sin and our need of a Savior. And even though I was just a boy of 10, I knew that I had anger in my heart. I had jealousy. I didn't want to obey my parents. And as I examined my own heart at just the age of 10, I felt convicted of my sin and that afternoon I gave my heart to Jesus Christ and it set the whole course of the rest of my life. Oh, as I grew older, 17 I remember, I began to see all the temptations that the world offered. And I had to make another choice. Am I really going to follow Christ? Am I really going to live for him? And I recommitted my life 
and it set my, my life on the right track again. So when I see the cross, I see my own guilt. But then also, when I see the cross, I see my pardon. In 1 Peter 2.24, He bore our sins in His body on the cross. And by His wounds, you have been healed. You see, just being a sinner does not guarantee an understanding of the cross. But you must know that to be delivered, someone had to take your place. And that someone was Jesus Christ. So Paul could write in Romans 5, 6, Christ died for the ungodly. In Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isaiah 53, 8, he was wounded for our transgressions. A friend of mine called me up just three or four weeks ago. Now, this person had been in trouble with the law years ago. And he had been found guilty of breaking several laws. He got his life straightened out with Christ, but always that cloud was over his head. And when he called me, he said, I'd like to meet you for lunch. And I thought, I wonder what he wants to talk about. Well, we met for lunch. And he shoved a piece of paper across the table and said, read this. And I looked at it in amazement. And this is what I read. The board of pardons grants to, and then his name, a full, complete, absolute, unconditional pardon for, and then it listed the specific crimes of which he had been guilty. My eyes filled with tears. I, I said, this is great. This is wonderful. And this is what happens when a sinner puts his faith in Jesus Christ. You hear the words, I, have been, I give to you a full, complete, absolute, unconditional pardon. I see my pardon in the cross. Nehemiah 9.17 says, You are a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful. Isaiah 55.7, Let the wicked return to the Lord, for he will abundantly pardon. Micah 7.18, Who is a God like unto you that pardons iniquity. There's a beautiful old hymn, and part of the words are these. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, 
The dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold, I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Yes, the cross means my pardon. Thirdly, the cross means my death. Again, Peter wrote this, that he bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin. The Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. In Romans 6.6 he wrote, Our old self was crucified with him. And Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I had to learn how to die to self. I'll just give you a couple of examples of those times because, you see, there, there are critical times in our lives when we really have to get so serious with God. But then you take up your cross every day and a lot of the decisions are kind of insignificant. Like there's a big piece of pie and a little piece of pie. Which one should I take? Um, you see, you, you, you then ask, what would Jesus do? And... You know, it changes the whole way you look at life. But I, I had a couple of, of real critical times. When I was a junior in college, I ran for president of the student council. Now, in, at Gordon at, at that time, that was the big man on campus. You were it. And I wanted to be it. And I campaigned hard. And, you know, stands the man was my big motto. And uh, I campaigned so hard, and I, I thought, surely I was going to win. Well, when the results came in, I lost terribly. And just to rub it in, I lost to the guy who was dating Marion, who is my wife now. <laughs> I, I mean... It was, it was really humiliating. And I remember going back to my room that day and thinking, I'm going to pack my suitcase and get out of here. I don't want to ever face those other students again. This is rotten. And I was really down. And that's when God often whispers to you. And here's what he said. Stan, learn to die to self. You had no business wanting to be the big man on campus. 
You've got to see what the cross means in your life. And you know, that was a turning point in my life. It was a very important day. Another time was I, I had three wedding rehearsals on a Friday night and three weddings to perform on Saturday. And during the first rehearsal, my secretary came in and she said, Pastor, your wife is on the phone. I, I think you better take the call. So I excused myself. I went in and my wife said, Honey, I'm at the hospital. They're going to give me a CAT scan of my brain. It sounds like it's very serious. I need you. So I went back in the church and poor Pastor Jim. <laughs> I said, Jim, take over the rehearsals. You may have to do the weddings. Get a substitute for the organ. I'm out of here. And I raced over to the hospital. And yes, she had the CAT scan. And it showed that she had had to have surgery on her brain. We met with the surgeon that night, and he said, uh, most people that have this uh, never make it alive to the hospital. Of those who do, half of them die on the operating table. Of those who survive the operation, almost 100% of them live the rest of their life with serious disabilities. He said to me, I'm going to operate in a half hour. You might as well go home. She won't be awake till six in the morning. I went home, cleaned the house. You, you got you to work off this kind of, of thing that's happening. I cleaned the house for three hours. I cried, I prayed, I, I just was at my wit's end. And God whispered again, you going to trust me or not? That was a toughie. I finally said, Lord, I trust you. I've trusted you before. I'm going to trust you now. My wife came through the surgery without any disability, and I performed three weddings the next day. But, oh, it was, it was a wonderful thing. But you've got to learn to die with Christ. Fourthly, the cross reminds me of my life. Again, verse 24, Christ bore our sins on the cross so that we might die to sins and might live for righteousness. So the Apostle Paul finished Galatians 2.20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by my faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Romans 6, 5, he wrote, If we have been united with him in his death, 
we will certainly be united with him in his resurrection. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. He is my life. This is another beautiful hymn beneath the cross of Jesus. And part of it goes this way. Beneath the cross of Jesus, I fain would take my stand. I take, O cross, thy shadow for my abiding place. And that's where every one of us should be living, in the shadow of the cross. The world tempts us, never gives up. Come out from the shadow. Come out and live. Live it up. Do what you want to do. But God whispers, stay in the shadow of the cross. And then I find that the cross means my responsibility. In Luke 23, 26, the story is told that as they were taking Jesus to Calvary to crucify him, he had the heavy cross on his shoulder, he's dragging it along, he's bleeding, he's weak, he's been up all night, he's been spat upon, everything has gone wrong, and he fainted and dropped down. And the Roman soldiers grabbed somebody out of the parade there and, and said, you carry his cross. And this man's name was Simon. He was from Cyrene. And he carried Jesus' cross for him. Have you ever thought to yourself, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have done that for Jesus if I could have only taken the weight of that cross and carried it for him. But then we kind of think, well, well I can't. But, you know, according to Hebrews 6.6, 6, it says that there is a sense, there is a way in which we can crucify Christ afresh. Well, if there's a way to crucify Christ afresh... There must be a way to carry his cross. And what a privilege that is. Another hymn said, Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. The consecrated cross I'll bear till death shall set me free and then go home my crown to wear for there's a crown for me. In Colossians 1.24, Paul writes a statement that I think is so profound that probably none of us understand it fully. This is what he wrote. I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions 
for the sake of his body, which is the church. I've heard people say, well, I have, a, I have a arthritis. I guess that's my cross to bear. No, it's, it's something far deeper than that. It's what you bear for Christ and his church. And today there are millions of Christians around the world suffering in prison, being tortured. And their only crime is that they preach Jesus Christ. Oh, I tell you, to bear Jesus' cross is a sacred privilege. And then the cross is my hope. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. A true story is told of a little girl in London, England, who somehow got separated from her family she was lost and crying. And a bobby came up to her and said, uh, Where do you live, little girl? We'll help you get home. And she said, I don't know my address. I don't know where I live. But if you could take me to Charing Cross, I can find my way home from there. When Marion and I were in seminary at Gordon-Conwell, we used to have a very busy weekend working in, in a church. And Sunday was such a busy day. And then at Sunday night, 9 o'clock, 9.30, we would start back to Gordon-Conwell, which was a two-and-a-half-hour drive at that time. And I was so tired, I'd get sleepy, I'd catch myself going off the road, we'd stop for a nap, and it, oh, we just wanted to get home. And I can remember, Gordon Conwell has a big steeple with a lighted cross on the top. And I can remember saying to Marion, we're almost home, I can see the cross. The hymn writer wrote, Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. And then finally, the cross is my boast. Galatians 6:14, Paul writes, "May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ." One of my World War II heroes was General Douglas MacArthur. He gave his farewell speech to the cadets at West Point. And at the end of the speech, this is what he said. Today marks my final roll call 
with you. I want you to know that when I cross the river, my last conscious thoughts will be of the core and the core and the core. I'd like to edit that wonderful statement and make it my own. Today could very well mark my final roll call with you. But I want you to know that when I cross the river, my last conscious thought will be the cross and the cross and the cross. What will your final conscious thought be when you cross the river? We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.